The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Okay, so I'm 46 years old now. That's been a couple weeks. But I'm starting to understand how people go through a midlife crisis. Don't worry, I'm not to go buy a convertible. I mean, I might, but I'm not saying that I'm planning on it yet. But what happens, I'm realizing, is you start to kind of understand your life. You kind of get a clearer picture when you're young and you look forward. You, you really, everything's fuzzy, which really allows you to kind of paint the picture however you want. And your dreams are unlimited. The world is your oyster. When you hit 40, 46, 50, 56, the oyster gets smaller. You start to realize, I don't have all those options anymore. I, for, you know, this is probably in an unhealthy way. I took a lot of comfort when I went into the full-time vocational ministry uh, 15 years ago. After about 8 or 10 years in the business world as a, a financial planner and CPA. For, for years, I, I look back now and I see how much... Maybe I didn't have faith as much as I thought I did. Maybe what I was really finding comfort in was that I could always go back and do what I was doing. I could always go do accounting or financial planning if this doesn't work out. And I've kind of kept that for a while, and now I'm realizing I probably couldn't, you know. So y'all, please don't fire me because I think I'm, I'm thinking this is it, you know. But as you, as you start to figure out your life, you start to get a clear picture Okay, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. Every now and then I'll look at Dana and go, really? I'm a pastor? That's who I am? That's what I do. And so uh, it starts to get clear. I, I know I'm going to have two kids. That's not a mystery anymore. Lord willing. I know. That's what we have is two kids. Dana's like, oh my. Yeah. So that's not it. I know. And I know how wonderful they are. I don't have to wonder. I know how wonderful children are. And my children are wonderful. And I know to a large extent, what they're going to be like. I know what I'm going to do. I know where I'm going to live. And so you start to be able to evaluate and look at your life and go, okay, this is it. And you are able to clearly project a lot clearer the future. Lord, all this is subject to the Lord's changing, but you get the idea is you kind of know, okay, I know for a pretty good idea what the rest of my life could look like. And that starts to get in your head, go, okay, did I, how's this going to turn out? Am I going to get to the end of my life and be disappointed about anything? Am I going to get to the end of my life and, and have any regrets? Am I go- and so you can see some people sadly think, well, I'm going to go and have a lot of fun or something, and they do some crazy stuff. But I think that's where it comes from, is saying, I don't want to get to the end of my life and be disappointed And Paul was talking about that last week in spiritual terms. He was saying how tragic it is that so many people are building their life on the wrong foundation. So many people are building their life on on ignorance or, or lacking knowledge. They're zealous for God and attaining His righteousness, but they're going about it the wrong way. They think that... Their, their spiritual house is built on their works or on their religion or on their good deeds. And they're going to be tragically disappointed when they realize throwing Christ aside, the rock of their salvation will end up causing them to stumble to their own destruction. 
They're going to get to the end of their life and they're going to be tragically disappointed, Paul says. And so today he's going to go just just kind of hover over the gospel that he's been preaching for the whole book of Romans. And he's going to go and help us understand. Let's look at this gospel so that you can understand. Paul is saying, this is not something new. I'm not creating a different gospel. This is the gospel that's rooted in the Old Testament scriptures. This is the gospel that that has been the message of the Bible from beginning to end. There's only one gospel. There's only one way of salvation. And it's the only hope. It's the only answer to build your life on this gospel is the only life that you will get to the end of your life and not be disappointed. And so I'm going to invite you, as we look at these details of the gospel, I invite you to to take confidence in this gospel message, to build your life on this gospel message concerning Christ, and to live such a confident life in this gospel that it is your life and your words are a confession to those around you and to those you love that they will also build their lives on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's ask the Lord for help this morning. Father, we need your help. We come to your scriptures. We cannot understand the message of your word, just merely human endeavor. Lord, we need the spirit of God to open our mind and our hearts to see the truth of its message. Lord, move right now powerfully in every person here. Move in our hearts Open our hearts to hear the truth of your word that we might call on the name of the Lord and be saved. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to look at three aspects of Paul's gospel to help us have confidence that this is worth building your life upon. First of all, we see the roots of the gospel in verses 5 through 8. Paul says this, he says, For Moses, so he's quoting Moses who wrote the first five books of your Bible, the Old Testament. Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. And so let's just stop there and look at verse 5. What is Paul doing? Paul is saying he's going back to Moses Back to your Old Testament, and he's demonstrating that his gospel, the gospel that we as believers believe in, he's saying is rooted in the Old Testament. This is not something new and different. It's the same message as the Old Testament. So he quotes Moses because he's brokenhearted over all the Jews and Israelites who are rejecting Christ, thinking they're being faithful to their Judaism. Paul's saying, no, this gospel, is about Christ, it's exactly what Moses was talking about. And so he's saying it's the same gospel message. And so how does he get this point across? He refers to the old covenant. Now, when Moses wrote what he quoted there, or he mentions there, alludes to in verse 5, this coming from Leviticus 18.5. Let me kind of catch you up on the story of the Bible where he's quoting. He's talking about where, if you remember, God's people, Israel, were in Egypt... God chose a man, Moses, raised him up to deliver them out of Egypt. And so Moses, by God's grace, God is saving these people by his grace as they 
trust his leader, Moses, to go and lead them into the abyss of the Red Sea, across the sea, up the mountain, into the heavens. Moses then gets the law and he comes down. Now that law was written on stone tablets. Are y'all with me so far? Okay, so y'all seen the movie. Y'all have read the book. He has the Ten Commandments written on stone. But what's going on? They're down there worshiping an idol. And the commandment is have no other gods. Do not worship any images. And so... It's already broken. But what does God graciously do? God gives him another one. And he says, now, let me give you a whole lot more instructions called the holiness code. And a lot of this is in Leviticus and in your your first five books of the Bible, the stuff where you get really excited when you're reading it. You know that part. And, And so he says, this is how you live. This is how you live holy lives as my people who have been saved by grace. This is what faith looks like. This is how you experience the blessings and the life that God has in store for you. Obey these commands. Leviticus 18.5, Paul is alluding to here. And here's what Moses says when he gives them all these laws or instructions on holy living. He says, Moses writes this. A man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. When Moses set the law before them, he said, this is your life. It would be like me taking the word of God to believers and saying, this is your life. Everything hinges on living according to the will of God. If you want to experience the life that he has in store for you, the blessings of your creator, live this way. That's not how you get saved. He didn't say, earn righteousness. He said, if you are God's people, live this way. It is the key to life that God has in store for you. Build your life on these words. So Paul is saying, listen, this gospel is not contradictory to that. This gospel is the same message. Putting faith in Christ is the same message as Moses. And so Paul is in trying to emphasize to them, this is not new. In fact, if you go further back to Genesis, you see this has been the message all along. What is the creation story? God created Adam and Eve in a covenant relationship. At that time, they were, they were the only two that were created in eternal covenant relationship of grace by God's grace. And what was the conditions of continuing to enjoy that blessed life with God? Do eat of all the fruit of the trees that I've given you. Don't eat of that one tree. That's their law, if you will. That's their Torah. First five books of your Bible are called the Torah. That's their instructions from God on how to enjoy life that God has for them. Now, what was the name of that tree that they weren't supposed to eat? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't think that you know better than God is what that tree is called. The tree of God's, of of human wisdom versus God's wisdom. So to disobey would be to what? Not trust God. To not have 
faith. But to think that I'm God. I'm the Lord of my life. I will decide for myself how I will live. And they did. And what did they discover? Nothing but their shame. God was not holding anything good for them. From them, God had given them all of his good and they brought their own demise. They stumbled over the rock. And so God is gracious though. God doesn't say, I'm done with you. Instead, God comes to a man named Abraham and gives us very good news, the gospel in its earliest form. God says, Abraham, I will give you a seed, a child, and he will be the blessing of all the nations and all the blessings of the earth will come through him. And Abraham believed God. Abraham heard God's word about the promised Messiah to come. And it says that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. And then Abraham's life is a life of obedience to the law that he didn't even have. The law was given to Moses 400 something years later. But you look at his life and you look at the law later and you go, wow, he's fulfilling the law. How? Just by living by faith. The life of faith fulfills the law. The one who is righteous by faith in the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, fulfills the law through their life of faith, through their obedience to Lord, Lord, what is that title? That's ruler, that's king, that's all powerful one. Faith is not in contradiction to obedience. Obedience is the fruit of faith. When I have faith, I am saying I am trusting in Christ as king As Christ, as king of his kingdom. That's how I participate in his kingdom. Ash, in his commentary, likes to call it, faith is bowing the knee to the Lord. It is a humble, submissive obedience to King Jesus. It is not, I believe, a set of doctrines. It is not, I confess, a doctrine. It is a life of heartfelt, submissive obedience to King Jesus. That is the one who is declared righteous. That is the one who lives the righteous life of faith to the glory of God. That is the one who will be saved. That's Paul's message. He's saying, that's the gospel that I'm preaching. This is not a new message. In fact, he then quotes in verse 6, he quotes two words from Moses. He says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. And then he says, that is, bring Christ down. We're going to work, we're going to explain this in just a second. It gets confusing. And then he quotes Moses again in verse 7, or do not say in your heart who will descend into the abyss. That is, bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? He's talking about this passage that he's quoting in Deuteronomy 30. What does it say? What did Moses say? Moses said, the word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. Paul says, that's the word of faith we are preaching. He's saying, listen, I'm preaching the same thing Moses was talking about in Deuteronomy 30, 12. So what was Moses doing in Deuteronomy 30, 12? At the end of the Torah, the first five books of your Bible, after all that I was just talking about, he's about to lead them into the promised land that God promised them. And he said, this is your life. And then he says, but you're not going to do it. But I have good news. 
One day, way in the future, you will. And so this is a quote from a section of your scriptures where Moses is looking way into the future, even to our future of a day when God's people finally get it completely right. And what does that look like? Genesis 1.1. God's people on God's perfect, beautiful creation living with Christ as Lord of their lives, as Lord of the world, of the universe. And they live in perfect trust, in perfect faith in Christ as their king. And their lives are a perfect reflection of his glory because they fulfill the will of God perfectly because sin and its temptation and all of that has been removed. And so Moses looked forward to the day of the, the, what it will, Christ will enable to happen through his death on the cross. And so Paul takes that quote and he says, Christ did what Moses couldn't do. That's the quote in the parentheses. The quote in the parentheses, Paul is inserting Christ in all of Moses' quote. Moses looked forward to a day and he said, on that day, you will not ask, where is the word of God? Because it will be in your heart. That's what Christ does. Christ, like Moses, was in the heavens. He is the word of God. He came down. He descended through death on the cross into the abyss of the grave. He rose up again and he was resurrected as Lord, ruler and power. And all who believe in him are not just saying some simple little magical prayer. They are coming to a heartfelt understanding and conviction and belief that Christ is God. The God who took on flesh. The God who died so that I could have my sins forgiven. The God who was punished for my sins. The God who took the curse of my sins. The God who was condemned as my substitute. And in response, the Holy Spirit fills my life with the word of God. The will of God inclines my heart to love him and to obey him. To live a life of confession that Jesus is Lord. Not only with my mouth but with my actions and that's what he is saying this is the gospel of jesus christ this is what christ enabled and in this phase that we're in between christ his first coming his death and burial resurrection and his return we live in a season where we are learning to walk in that power of the spirit we're learning to live out our freedom from sin's power over us. We're learning to experience the beauty of his lordship in our lives. We're learning to confess with our mouths and with our lives that he is king of all kings. And one day when he comes back, Moses spoke about it. He will finish. Not only will we be set free from the penalty of sin and be set free from the power of sin, but we will finally be set free from the presence of of sin. And we will all live on earth living in submission to King Jesus and glorifying him with our lives. So Moses spoke about this gospel and Paul is saying that's the gospel I'm preaching. Put your life in Jesus' hands. Build your life 
on this gospel, you will not be disappointed. What are you building your life on? Who or what is Lord of your life? I don't care what you say so much. I want to know what your life says. What is your what do your choices say is Lord of your life? Does your lifestyle say that you have faith in Jesus Christ? That's what he's reacting to. These people who were sincere and zealous in their religious efforts, but they were wrong because they thought that their foundation of life was built on their religious deeds, earning some merit with God. And he says, how tragic They're going to be so disappointed when they find out that they were wrong. What does your life say you truly believe? Next, we see the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is the heart. The heart is the heart of the gospel. Verses 9 through 10, Paul focuses on the heart of the gospel. He says... If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. In these verses, we get at the heart of the gospel And it is the fact that it begins in the heart and it flows outward out of the mouth and into the lifestyle. It does not begin from a lifestyle and flow inward. I was discipling a friend a few years ago and watching that light bulb go off was the most beautiful day of conversion in his life. He said, I thought I was just hanging out with the wrong people. And I get it. It says out of the mouth overflows the heart. It's not that they are bad. That's not my problem. It's that I am bad in my heart. And that's why I live this way. I don't get right with God by cleaning my act up. I get right with God by him cleaning my heart up. And then I live right to God. And that's what he's saying here. Is that it is with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness. That is justification. When a person believes in Christ as Lord. The resurrected Lord who assumes, who presumes he died for our sins. The person who believes that. Who entrusts themselves to him. Who believes God's word about him. In regards to the only way to be made right is to put their faith in him. That person is converted. Joel, the prophet, said, is filled with the Spirit of God. Ezekiel said, is given a new heart and filled with the Spirit of God. Jeremiah said, has a new heart. And all of that changes the person from the inside out. So then what comes out of their mouth is confession. Jesus is Lord, resulting in that day when the wrath comes, resulting in salvation not condemnation, you will not be disappointed on that day. So Jesus changes the heart. He brings the law of God from God down into our hearts. 
changing us from the inside out so that our mouth confesses Jesus as Lord. So our lives confess Jesus is Lord so that our lives and our speech reveal there is a new heart in us. What is coming out of your mouth? What is coming out of your, of your heart into your life? That's what's in the heart, like it or not. Sometimes it can be very painful to look at our lives and own up to it and say, that's coming out of my heart. Stop blaming others. Stop relying on religion Stop excusing yourself. We have to own up to it. What is in my heart? So we've seen, first of all, the roots of the gospel. It's the same gospel from creation to eternity, same gospel Moses proclaimed in the Old Testament, the same gospel of the prophets, the same gospel of the wisdom literature in your scriptures. There's one true gospel, and the heart of that gospel is the heart of faith submits to the lordship of Christ, and it flows out of their lives and their mouths. Finally, we see the scope of the gospel. The scope meaning the breadth of it, who is inclusive in it, who is available. The scope of the gospel in verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call the name of the Lord will be saved. Here we see the universal scope of the gospel. Look at the words Paul uses in these verses. Whoever believes, no distinction, same Lord of all, all who call on him, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The gospel message of the Bible is a universal call to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single knee will bow at the feet of King Jesus. Not because all will be saved, but because all will recognize His Lordship one day. Some will be bowing in their condemnation. Others will be bowing in worship. But He is King of kings, Lord of lords, creator, sustainer of the universe. And only those who bow the knee, but every single person who bows the knee to King Jesus will be saved. Just as Paul said in Romans 3, that we are all universally condemned in our sin without distinction, Jew or Gentile, White, black, or in between, rich or poor, it doesn't matter. Every single person, religious or not religious, good or bad, moral or not moral, clean living, dirty living, every single person ever walking on this earth is condemned in their sin without distinction. But every single person without distinction, no matter what has 
happened in your life, no matter how sinful you have been, no matter how religious you have or have not been, no matter how much money you make or don't make or give or don't give, every single person can and will be saved if they bow their heart to King Jesus. Everyone, without distinction, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can trust in this gospel message. This is not some fad. This has been the universal throughout history, the one true gospel. What is your life being built on? Not what you say, but what does your life confess? What does your mouth confess? What does your heart really believe? There's only one foundation for a life that will not disappoint you. And that's Jesus Christ. Live your life in humble submission to Christ, your Savior. Build your, life, your house on the foundation of Jesus Christ and you will not be disappointed. You will not get to the end of your life and be disappointed. For whoever loses his life for Christ's sake will find his life. Life that God has in store for you is not found in some other alternative gospel message. We are all standing at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we have a choice. Do we trust God knows what's best? Will we build our life one decision at a time on the lordship of Jesus Christ? Will we bend our hearts to to long to obey God? No matter what the cost, no matter what our friends say, no matter what the cost to our careers, no matter what the price, will I live for King Jesus? Boldly, courageously. That's the person who knows what they're living for and will not be disappointed. Who or what are you building your life upon? My prayer is today that this church, it will be evident to all who know us, that person lives for King Jesus. So that when you go, because I know you're going because you wrote their names down. When you go and you tell them about Jesus, there's a life backing up that gospel message. When you see the people you love heading down a path of tragic grave disappointment, building their life on lesser gods and lesser hopes, that you love them too much to just let them go, but you open your mouth, you say something, and even if it puts them off, you say something, because I know you'll say it in love and in grace, backed up by a life that confesses Jesus is Lord, and you stay after them so that at least they can't say, if they choose to continue to reject, at least they can't say, why didn't you tell me? Because you love them. Too much to stay silent. 
This is the only life that will not disappoint in the end. Father God, we ask for your help this morning. I pray that everyone here, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would bring faith to hearts right now, Lord, that you would move powerfully in every person in this room, that we would commit right now that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus' life was perfect as the God-man, that he died on the cross to take the penalty of my sin that I deserved, of each person's sin, that whoever will call on the name of the Lord Jesus, that will call him Lord, that will bow the heart to his authority and rule in their life, that they will be saved. Whoever builds their life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, who says that I will make the word of God the guide of my life, I will obey Christ because to live is Christ, to die is gain that will not be disappointed. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room hears that, believes that, and changes their life, that, that it's rooted deep in their heart, that our lives become obedient lives of faith to the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray that we will open our mouths to help others come to know there's one hope, there's one Savior, there's one Lord, there's one life to be lived without disappointment. And that is a life in submission to the Lord, Jesus Christ. Lord, please, we're doing all we can to create space. Lord, fill these, this house with worshipers. Fill this place with our friends who were coming alongside us, who were loving and caring for and ministering to and talking to about this good news. May we open our mouths and tell them, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No one will be disappointed in Jesus. Fill this room with people that you have changed by your power to your own glory. Fill the early service. Fill us to capacity where we have to overflow into another worship space in the student area. Lord, we don't care about numbers for numbers sakes. We care about these people for their good and for your glory. Lord, use us mightily, use us powerfully. Change us from the inside out as we grasp the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Bring glory and honor to yourself through the words that flow out of our mouth from our heart. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. My heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness.